Blackhawks fans, welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. It's Johnny Nani, Ron Luce, and Tony Marchese coming at you in the dead days of winter. Boys, the holidays are past. Hope it was a good season for everybody. Yeah, great holiday season and cheers to you guys. I'm going to crack them with a Canadian beer after uh, Canada won the uh, gold at World Juniors here. Um, it was good, boys. It was nice to unplug a little bit, but we're dialed back in and we're ready to roll come January. Hey gentlemen, let's just let's just do one thing and get tanked. That's all I've got to say. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year, boys. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all of that good stuff. Um, it, we are. It, the, the, you talked about getting tanked there, Tony. That's exactly uh, what kind of the primary focus of, of the front end of the show is going to be. The Blackhawks tank rolls on, obviously doing a lot of losing, which we hope in the end run is for the greater good uh, of the future. Um, however, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, plenty of topics that go along with that in terms of managing the agony of defeat uh, versus, uh, you know, playing the game of watching Connor Bedard highlights and uh, keying in on draft prospects, that kind of stuff. Um, we'll talk some world juniors, uh, get into plenty of Blackhawks prospects in action there. Uh, I'll talk a few injuries that are going on with the Blackhawks call-ups and uh, got a few miscellaneous thoughts surrounding the team. So, boys, looking forward to getting into it with you guys, listeners. Uh, thank you for tuning in here, being back with us in the new year uh, on the Four Feathers podcast. Remember, go and check out ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ontapsportsnet. And when you go to our YouTube page on Tab Sportsnet, make sure you hit that subscribe button with the alert bell so you know when we go live for these shows. All right, gentlemen, let's kick it off. How are you handling the Blackhawks tank right now? I, Johnny, it, uh, you and I talked a little bit before we jumped on, and it's been hard. It's been hard. It's been hard to tune into games, and I feel disconnected. And I don't Ron like it's hard for like... Bedard right now. You can tell he's <laughs> dropped like three hards there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I have uh, it's it's been painful, uh, but I'll tell you what, man. You know, the the, the closer and closer we inch, uh, hopefully toward that that first overall pick here, um, it makes it a little easier. But it still sucks, man. It, it's it's weird. It's not fun. Like this is probably since Rocky has taken over the team, the worst Blackhawks hockey we have seen. Like, it's been a long time since we've seen this bad of Blackhawks hockey. So I think it's a little bit of an adjustment period for most of us. But outside of that, Johnny, doing doing the best we can here to uh, to manage it all. You know what? I've still been watching the, the same, if not more, hockey this year uh, than I did last year, uh, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. It took a little while. I talked about this on one of our previous shows, uh, the closure with Marion Hosa and all of that other good stuff. And also on top of that, just the, the fact that the organization has a direction. Jeremy Colleton is no longer the coach of this team. Um, these are all positive things for me. So I'm still a fan. I'm still supporting uh, what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks. I think it's just been really hard to sit through an entire game and actually watch it as intently as I want to, because most times let's be honest, boys, we're fucking getting blown out by the second or third period. Uh, there's not much that you have to go off of Ron, you and I, there was a, a tie game the other night and we decided to, you know, gamble some money on the third period, which maybe not the best. The choice. It has worked it has, in the past. It has worked in the past. And that's mm -hmm, why mm -hmm. we went back and did it. We're trying to have some fun with things. So, um, you know, I, I'm really also sort of just watching this team to see if there's any buddy that jumps out that might be a long-term contributor. I know we're going to talk about trades, but 
you also kind of want to establish value for some of these guys going into the trade deadline uh, to know what you could possibly expect to get back. So um, I've got my eye on a few different things, but other than that, I mean, Ron, you're kind of right. It's, it's been miserable. It's been very hard to watch. Building on one of those last points you brought up there, Tony, when you talk about, you know, I'm looking for some long-term pieces who can fit. Um, I was telling Ron this before we jumped on, but I think I think a lot of Blackhawks fans can relate to me with this. Sure, some guys might be making some strides in their individual game development-wise, but it's very, very hard to go and pick those out when the team is just getting shellacked because any little small positive thing they can do, well, guess what? When it's on a shift uh, in the end of the second period when you're already trailing 5-1, to one, it's not going to get magnified at all. It's not even really going to get talked about on the broadcast. You got to go and seek it out. And like, just for example, I saw Isaac Phillips made a few rough mistakes. I uh, had a puck go, you know, kind of deflect off him right in front of the net uh, that set up a scoring chance for uh, an opposing team in one game. Then he came back a few games later and he made some really nice plays and skated out of his own end. But you really got to be keying in and watching that. And it's hard to when the team makes it disinteresting from basically midway through the first period on, which has happened, unfortunately, a lot this year. Um, but on the same token, maybe fortunately, because, guys, the, the Blackhawks doing their best with this tank. I just want to run some numbers and just react to these. Tell me how you feel. All right, 8, 25, and 4, 20 points. That's the worst record in the league. Uh, they're 1-9-0 and 0 in their last 10, so they're trending green on tankathon.com slash NHL. Um, and then they've only won two of their last 23 games, and they have gotten none of those pesky overtime points, which they're racking up a few of at the beginning of the season. Um, how does that stuff make you feel? Makes you feel numb, Johnny, because, again, it's just you expect them to lose at this point, right? I, I honestly am waiting for, like, the random Friday night or Saturday night in, like, the month of February for one of these road games, especially if it's a late-night game we're all at Casa de Marchese, and, like, they win because all, all three of us are going to be celebrating as if, like, they're going to the playoffs because it's going to be hysterical because we're not used to it now. You know, it, it really is. You just get numb to the losing, and I, again, Johnny, at least if they're going to lose, none of those pesky overtime points. If you're going to suck, suck hard. I mean, that's uh, that's what they have to do right now. All right, hard uh, is the word of the show. I've yes. already determined that. You you said that, get hard for Bedard. Suck hard for Bedard, <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to twist it. Yeah. Ron's hard for Bedard. That's what I said earlier. Um, <laughs> but, you know, honestly, every single win, Johnny, the victory beers taste phenomenal, but I'm really used to the misery beers at this point in time. They're going down just as easy. As Ron said, you become numb to it. Um, I guess in certain aspects, I'm sort of happy that they've played themselves into this conversation. And it hasn't looked egregiously bad. Like you could sit here and be like, that's a tank. They should have been able to pull this game out. Obviously, they came out in the beginning of the year and they showed you probably the best hockey that they can play. So it's a little frustrating in that aspect, but it doesn't look like by any stretch of the imagination, these lo these losses are on purpose. They fucking suck, and they're doing it at the right time to fucking suck. Right, and so we there's been a few instances on the show, right, where we've been grilling Kyle Davidson a little bit. This is one where I think you have to commend him, and it's you know it's so backwards thinking wise because usually the GM's supposed to build the team. Well, guess what? It's a multi year project. We all knew what we signed up for uh, when this whole rebuild started. So the fact that he stripped this thing down to the studs enough to where there's you know. It doesn't, you know, once again, the guys out there, they are playing hard. They're skating hard, which is good. And that's a credit to Luke Richardson. But it's a credit to Kyle Davidson 
that they've constructed a roster this bad put them in the prime position uh, at the top of the tankathon standings. Yeah, and and to you, to Tony's point, right about the timing of it, right? You see, year in and year out, there there's draft classes, right, where they're like, ah, oh, it's a weak class, and you know, a, a good example, right? Just some of the top picks in recent years, in the last five and six years, you know, we've seen guys like Nolan Patrick struggle as a top two pick. We've seen Nico Heishier took a long time to kind of come into his own finally, and he did. But and then there's some of those drafts where you get like Connor McDavid or you get like Austin Matthews. This is one of those drafts more like McDavid and Matthews than the other way around where Connor Bedard is a prize pick. And if you put Adam Fantilli in just about every other draft class, that's not this year or McDavid's year, he's probably the top prospect. Like this is a strong draft class. This is the year to have the, the capital to build through the draft. And to your point about timing with Kyle Davidson here is, He's done it at the right time. He's accumulated the assets at the right time where if you're going to suck and suck hard, like Tony said, they are, this is the time to do it truthfully. Right. I couldn't agree more guys. So that, that kind of wraps up the tank. I guess my last thought uh, on the Blackhawks tank rolls on here. Segment of the show is uh, go ducks, go blue jackets, keep winning, keep racking up those points, baby, because guess what? They keep doing that. Then maybe we can, you know, enjoy a few wins every once in a while and not feel like we're jumping to, uh, you know, I don't want to feel, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want standings. the wins to feel dirty, Johnny. I don't want the wins yeah. to feel dirty. Well, that... the thing is they can go about their business and do it on their own. Right. Like, you know, if the Ducks win, like, you know, whatever, like random game against the Flyers or whatever it was, I think the Flyers actually won that game, but whatever. It, well, what have you? Columbus winning a meaningless game against, you know, um, some other team that's kind of like middle of the road. Um, that's fine. That's fine by my measure because then that just separates us more when you go and look at those points there. And right now, I think we're good, like four four to six point cushion um, in terms of where those other teams are. Um, I think the Blue Jackets are technically the second lowest point total, but in terms of percentage with games played, the Ducks are number two right now. So it'll, it'll be interesting uh, to see how that shakes out, but um, I'll leave it at that. Go Ducks, go Blue Jackets, and, uh, you know, keep keep uh, putting that cushion uh, in between us and them. So, all right, uh, guys, let's move on. A few uh, notes uh, just on the team itself. Uh, some injuries. Big one, Patrick Kane. Um, it's weird. I feel like we haven't had a Patrick Kane injury. I know we had, like, a little bit of a COVID um, protocol uh, stint last year that kept him up, but that wasn't, like, an injury injury. Uh, yeah, it looked like he got banged up a little bit Sunday night against the Sharks. Uh, are we concerned about Patrick Kane's injury? He's questionable Friday against Arizona. Johnny, I'm not too terribly concerned. It doesn't sound like the Blackhawks are terribly concerned either, uh, nor has a lot of the, I guess, word from the team been like, oh, he could he could miss some time, right? Like they're they're pretty straightforward, at least in that aspect of like, yeah, it's going to be a couple games, but he'll be all right versus like he's day to day. We'll see how he's doing. You know, it might just be one of these things where maybe he doesn't play tomorrow. And that's just like, hey, Patrick, look, man. We're, we're just going to give you the night off. Enjoy, enjoy a Friday night. Just take it easy. You know, hang out with the boys here, you know, at the UC, no big deal. We'll go out there against the coyotes, take our L root for the jackets and, and, and the ducks, just like you said, Johnny, and keep it moving. So I'm not too concerned about Patrick Kane in the long term. I think he'll be back sooner than later. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him before this uh, homestand comes to a conclusion. I'm sort of in the camp of does it really change the outcome of the hockey game if Patrick Kane is in the lineup here on Friday night? I don't think it really does. Um, the Blackhawks haven't been good. They're not going to be good on Friday. 
Um, that said, they'll probably go out and win. Uh, but overall, I think the reason why I'm not as worried about Patrick Kane's injury uh, at this juncture is because there's really no expectations right now for this team to perform. Uh, Johnny's just pouring a nice, uh, what was that, a Stella over there? I was going to say, I saw the green bottle. That looked yeah, like a was, Stella yeah. there. And, and crack them. Enjoy a little Stella here while you talk. Yeah, there we go. Um, but, you know, I'm not as concerned about Patrick Kane missing a couple of games. If anything, uh, give him some rest. Make sure that he's healthy. He's still an asset for this team. Um, and you, you just do right by Patrick Kane in this situation. That's all you can do. Um, you, you're not relying on him. It's not like we're in the middle of a playoff push. We're not trying to rush into being uh, buyers at the deadline or anything. Let him, let him take whatever time he needs to rest, and I, the outcome's still probably going to be the same. So I'm not as I'm not as worried about it as long yeah. as it's nothing serious and long term. That um, sounds like he'll be back and everything will be the same. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried about it at all either. And even today, it wasn't technically um, the injury. Really, it was said it was maintenance. Obviously, we know that with the lining up, the timing with the injury. But if it was something more, um, you know, substantial, and you know, now they're do they're doing the old treatment. You know, not in recent years they've finally gotten away from doing the just lower body, and they've said like you know knee or ankle or whatever. Now they're back to the lower body with them. They're being extremely vague about it. But just with the whole sequence of that, it happened Sunday night. He still finished that game. He suited up on. Uh, uh, Tuesday against Tampa Bay in that game started that one. It was after the second period. So probably just a little bit of wear and tear uh, feeling on the knee. Um, honestly, I would expect him to play. I think he will be back in. They said he was working out today, um, just not on the ice. So uh, we, we shall see, but that, that's just one. I uh, got to get that one out of the way. Um, how about the bad shrimp? Remember when uh, Derek King last year would say that the bad shrimp going around the locker room while well, they got a little bit of a illness going illness bug going on. Luke Richardson himself had it. Uh, it was funny to see Derek King step in uh, in the head coach role at practice uh, the other day. That was kind of funny, but then Tyler Johnson missed Tuesday's game against fourteen team because of it. And then uh, Andreas Athanasiu uh, missed practice today. So um, the bad shrimp, you guys had any bad shrimp lately? You guys get, you getting any food bugs sh- going around? I don't need any shrimp. So I, okay. I think I'm safe. Um, but uh, I think there was some bad shrimp going around your house, though, Tony. There was, was bad bit, shrimp going around bug. the house right right before the holidays. Um, there was a little bad shrimp yeah, going around. Um, but uh, I think everybody's recovered as of right now. How about you, Ron? Yeah, no bad shrimp here, thankfully. Um, I actually did just have some shrimp for dinner tonight, though. So we'll see if the bad shrimp's on the horizon <laughs> or not. Coincidence. <laughs> no, I swear to God, I didn't know that when I asked. No, no, no that's true. That. This is completely. Yeah, no, I had I had shrimp for dinner tonight. Um, had a Hopefully little ramen. I, I had a little shrimp with my ramen yeah. noodles. Oh, so we'll see. Now it's my we'll fault. We'll see. Now it's my <laughs> fault. Or maybe it's Derek King's fault if that shrimp doesn't maybe. end up being bad and Ron's, you know, uh, got to gotta take a, you know, day, a day off. Uh, yeah from the four feathers <laughs> podcast but yeah, all right that, but... that's that's where we're at with injuries the last uh two were just a couple of ir moves mckenzie at whistle juju arcara uh wrist and back uh issues uh respectively there they're on ir uh you want some details on that go down to sportsnet.com uh our guy ron loose wrote up uh post get you up to date on all of that there on to the next topic, boys. It's World Juniors. Canada just won tonight. Oh, Canada. That's right. S. Cokes. Uh, oh, Canada. Uh, what do you say? 
Korchinski, Del Mastro, Doc, and Allen, they all win gold with Canada overtime game there. Um, nice to see those guys. Uh, that's the second gold medal for Ethan Del Mastro, so good for him. Um, it, Ron, I know you watched a little bit of this. Tony, I don't know how much you did, but uh, any takeaways from World Juniors? I've got a couple, too, but Ron, I'll give you the floor first. Uh, let's talk O Canada, and I guess there is our Swedish friend, Victor Sternborg, too. But any takeaways, World Juniors, Blackhawks prospects? Oh, Canada, um, four Blackhawks prospects won the gold, but a fifth being a future Hawk won the gold tonight as well. And his uh-huh. name is Connor Bedard. Um, that dude's really good. That's a that's a takeaway. And and another takeaway too, Johnny, and I, I don't I hope I don't steal your thunder here. Uh, Ethan Del Mastro playing big minutes, I think, is is an important thing to highlight. Again, three Blackhawks defenseman prospects on this world juniors team. That in itself is something that we haven't seen in a long time. Um but then you go ahead and, and say, if you took bets on who would play probably the most minutes, you would probably bet Korchinski, and it was quite the opposite. So um, good on Del Mastro. I really think he's going to surprise a lot of people. It's really starting to feel like he might be a diamond in the rough as one of these good defensive defensemen that is one of those guys you need to win cups down the road. So um, good to see that. But Blackhawks, beer, and Dan Bedard's really good. Ron's on brand tonight. Love it. He is on brand. I, I'm, it's been a while since I've shared a mic with with Mr. Ron Luce, and he he came in firing on all cylinders. I'd love to see it. Uh, you know, I did watch some of the juniors, guys. I, I actually probably watched more juniors than I've watched ever. Um, so it was it was fun. It was good hockey. Um, I enjoyed it. And the main reason I watched most of this stuff is the same reason I think a lot of people did, and that's Connor Bedard. You want to see this uh, future Hawk, as Ron has already hashtag confirmed here. Um, it was it was just – I go back to the game that Canada played against Germany, and they were up like by like nine goals entering the third. And, and just watching how some of those young guys on Team Canada when – you know, you, you list off some Hawks prospects there as well, just work together. And you like to see these guys develop um, on a team with each other and and play at, at the highest stage that they can possibly play at right now. Uh, it was just good hockey. I think, uh, you know, overall, there was one man that stole the show, and we all know who that is. End of the day, you knew Canada was winning uh, gold there. I think that there really wasn't much of a, much of a contest with anybody else in the, in the world juniors, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, there was some, some questionable calls by some referees boys that uh, could be debated. IHF is such a different game than the NHL. Yes. It's wild. Yes. That's, that was one of my biggest takeaways from this. It was very interesting to watch just the flow of the game and, and how things were called, but Johnny, I'll let you touch more on that. Cause I've been talking for a minute now. Yeah. That's going to be two for uh, blowing hot air under the mic, Tony. Um, that's IHF <laughs> for you right there. Honestly, it is a different game. I understand they do have to protect kids, and it's a little bit different in terms of world championships, hockey, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that IHF governs, but that, very, very different. Um, I mean, they, they have, like, no leniency on hits. Like, it, it could be a split second after the guy released the puck, and uh, they're called penalties. So that, that's just a general um, kind of takeaway from that. Uh, however, uh, when it comes to Blackhawks-related things here, obviously, as Ron mentioned, Connor Bedard, hopefully future Hawk. Also, another thing, I see, like, 
loser Columbus and uh, Anaheim journalists trying to like, say, oh, a future duck, future Blue Jacket. No, it's only it's only okay if Blackhawks, uh, you know, media says it. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, no bias at all. Um, other than that, uh, Colton Doc did suffer a shoulder injury. That guy can't catch a break. He's had a couple of concussions this year. If you remember, he started training camp with that. Uh, he had two assists in four games before he went down. So tough that for him. Rough. Not able to go down. And that, that looked rough. Honestly, it looked like a separated shoulder. It could be a torn labrum. Um, I have not heard anything further on that, but on tipsportsnet.com, go check it out uh, for the initial injury update. If you do want to see the, uh, the, the hit itself isn't too, too violent, but it, he was in pain. He went down immediately. You could hear him. They had the hot mics on the ice. He was yelling. So hoping for the best for Colton Doc, but he does still get a gold medal um, along with his Canadian teammates and those other Blackhawks prospects. Uh, Kevin Korchinski, he had one goal, three assists through the seven games. Uh, Prayed. Played pretty low time on ice uh, outside of blowout games. Or Didn't those three assists all come in the same period, though? It, yeah, I think it might have been in that game against Germany that you were talking about where they're up by like nine going into the third. Yeah, um, for sure. And you know what? I, I was thinking about this, and Ron, like you had said, oh, you kind of thought Korchinski would be because when you're talking about like WHL action, he's always like a workhorse for the Seattle Thunderbirds up there. Uh, but you got to remember, this is a uh, U-20 tournament, and he is an 18-year-old. So he will have the op- you know opportunity to go back and play, I would imagine, in an elevated role. Uh, if he goes back for uh, the 2024 edition of that. So we shall see. Um, Nolan Allen, a uh, little bit of a quiet tournament for him, but he did play more minutes than Korchinski. Uh, two points through the seven games, one goal and an assist. And then Ethan Del Mastro, nice little surprise there. I mean, I, I'm not too, too shocked because he was a late add to that uh, tournament, the 2022 tournament, which was then, you know, not too long ago. It was held in August because they had the COVID postponements and stuff. But he played heavy minutes. He played on Canada's top pair with Selwiger, who was definitely their top D-man. Uh, but... Ethan Del Mastro, a nice kind of defensive compliment to Zellweger's offensive game. So I enjoyed watching him. He's, he plays a heavy game. Uh, that'll be fun to watch him fully unleashed uh, and outside of the IIHF rules. So um, hopefully he's a guy uh, that can develop hopefully a little bit quicker than some of the other defenseman prospects we've seen uh, in the system. He finished with three points, uh, all assists through those seven games. All right, our Swedish friend, Victor Sternborg, uh, captain of Team Sweden. Uh, he had two points in seven games, and uh, one of them was, I believe, a short-handed. I want to say, or no, it was an overtime goal, right? Um, but that was, you know, a tough end for Sweden. Uh, they lost in an absolute barn burner uh, in the bronze medal game against the Americans today. Uh, no uh, points for Schoenborg in that one. Um, he reminds me, he's, you know, going to be a, I would say, third line type of guy uh, if he does make it to the show that's just kind of his game plays a lot of forechecking he even played on the third line for uh sweden's team there but i think he knows his role so um that, that was just something it reminded me a little bit of a michael frolik ish type um uh, that, that would kind of be the a little bit of comp uh, that i would give there i wouldn't say exactly the same but in terms of role usage um that kind of stuff that, that's where i stand on world juniors um guys this tournament it was fun to watch it be back as it should be. And, you know, COVID disrupted a lot of things. And obviously that weird um, tournament that got postponed from 2022 to here, but this is how it should be starting on boxing day. Um, All the hype in the world. Um, It'll be cool to finally see it go outside of North America. I think Sweden is the host country um, next year. So I'm looking forward to it. And we should have some more Blackhawks prospects in it. um, If I were to guess. Yeah. And Johnny, I think outside of Blackhawks prospects being participants in the tournament, uh, we get to look forward to some morning hockey during the holidays because of the time difference in Sweden. So um, nothing, there's nothing better than waking up, making some eggs and bacon and watching some, uh, some IHF world junior hockey during the holidays. It just hits some, some kind of way, Johnny. 
Yep, absolutely does. Drop a little Bailey's in that coffee, Ron. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch a little, hockey. little bit, a little Bailey's in the coffee, a little you know, uh, champagne in the orange juice. You know, you it's know, like, it's like obviously that's like one of our things. But uh, when you think about it, it's the perfect timing because nobody knows what to do in between that week between Christmas and New Year's, right? So, what better way to spend it than just watching hockey all day? And like you said, Ron, that will quite literally start all day because it'll be morning next year. I still enjoyed it when they were, you know, like what few of them i guess the early game started at like noon uh when they had four games a day going on but um that was a perfect way to spend it so i'm glad there are plenty of blackhawks representatives there so good stuff good stuff all around all right um let's move on um getting back to the the team on the ice here the, the blackhawks and our segment i think we're going to be doing this segment every show through the end of the season shit probably all through next season what to watch what keeps you interested what what are you actually watching for this team because we talked about the agony of defeat and sure you're watching the standings but in the games what are we actually watching here let's start with a couple of call-ups here lucas reichel uh brett senior i know lucas reichel is up for one game um but these guys are going to get a chance luke richardson said they're going to play friday against arizona what are we looking forward to with these guys coming up from rockford Tony, Johnny, what I'm looking forward to is this is the first time that we've had prolific scorers coming up from Rockford. And what I mean by that is for those that maybe don't pay attention to the AHL as much um, and understandably. So um, if you go on the AHL.com and you go to the little stats list in the league and you look at the top point scores, this might be the first time in my memory since circa 2008 that three Rockford Icehogs were in the top five in league scoring. And that's what they have right now. Sini and Reichel are two of those names. Orland Park legend David Gust is the other. And it's kind of cool having big-time scorers in the in the American League coming up and doing something. Sure, obviously Reichel is the sexy name of the two. He's the top prospect, you know, things like that. But Sini's currently sitting second in the AHL in points. Giving this guy a legit shot in a forsaken loss season – there is nothing wrong with that. And maybe if it's not with the Blackhawks, he plays himself into a job elsewhere. We saw that happen across town with the Chicago AHL team and the Wolves in their championship year. Andrew Podorowski went and, and lit the league on fire, led by plenty of points to take the scoring title. And he got a chance with Seattle, and he's been bouncing back and forth with the big club. So you never know. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys take advantage of a true opportunity, Johnny, especially tomorrow night against the Coyotes. Couldn't have said that better myself, Ron, and obviously you know the AHL better than I do, but yeah, I was excited the first time we got to see the little cup of coffee for Lucas Reichel. Um, it's it's right now a give-me-something-to-watch-and-be-excited-for type thing with the Blackhawks calling up Reichel. Um, it, some people have said it, it kind of leans towards Patrick King not playing. I know, Johnny, you predicted that he would. Uh, but, you know, it, regard, irregardless of whether or not Kane is playing, Watching Lucas Reichel and getting to see him on the big stage is sort of that next stepping stone that we want out of the top prospects. So, I mean, you can't ask for more on a Friday night. That's what I'm watching. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. Uh, like you said, with Lucas Reichel, he got that um, you know one-off call-up when Jonathan Taves uh, had the bad shrimp out in New Jersey earlier um, in the season. But then uh, with Lucas Reichel, I think it's good because then you just you get him to keep dipping his toes in the water, right? He got a little bit of that last season. He got that one game here earlier this season. We'll see how long this call-up lasts. But there's the thing about this is great because if there's no uh, say he's still struggling or the other guys become or are back and get healthy, then you can just send him down. Down again and let them you know ride it out with the ice hogs who ron i wanted to build on what you were saying with the ice hogs it's good to see those guys 
producing, scoring well there, and the Rockford Ice Hogs doing well in the AHL standings because that'll be something to watch come the end of the season when the Blackhawks are all said and done. Hopefully Rockford can go on a playoff run there, and that'll get those guys some experience playing together. I know not all of them. You know, you got some guys that are just AHL contract guys down there, but um, I think it'll be good um, for, you know, the, the overall experience of, you know, development uh, for these guys. In terms of Brett Cini, though, another name I just wanted to bring up. Um, this one's great because, like you'd said, Ron, deserves a chance. Played his way into it. Absolutely. Give him a shot. There's nothing to lose. Um, if he does well, then, hey, you might you might have found a little diamond in the rough. But at the same time, I'm just expecting nothing from him. I basically am going in with no expectations because he has been on NHL clubs before, hasn't been able to stick, has gone down, put up respectable numbers in the A, and then come back up and struggled again at the NHL level. But granted, those were much different situations. He was on a Toronto Maple Leafs team just for a very brief cup of coffee last year. They were competing. They were in it all season. He was on a New Jersey Devils team a few years back that, you know, they never really tore it down completely to the studs to the point to where it was, you know, like a throwaway, you know, type of season for them. Um, that didn't, you know, it, it, he did get like one of his most extended looks in the show there, but uh, eventually uh, it found himself back in the AHL. So you can just have no expectations. And if he does anything, it's gravy, right? That, that's why I look at it with that. So um, and then, like I said, with Reichel, always the option to send him back down. Um, all right. Next up trade pieces guys i called the you know part of our show here is the dead of winter um the dead days of winter because in baseball right we have the dog days of summer this is kind of the dead days of winter you're past the christmas mark uh we're you know in early january the you know atmosphere feels kind of dead because there's nothing really to look forward to um until spring starts rolling around the weather starts getting warmer so we're in the dead days of winter and the nhl trade deadline is still a ways off but it's never too early for us to start looking at this Trade pieces. What are you guys' thoughts here on guys like Domi, Athanasiu, McCabe, anybody else? I know Ron had a little bit of a spicy take for us. I think Ron froze, but that's just me. Yeah. How about you, Tony? What do you got on these guys? I've got a, I've got a couple of thoughts here. Number one, I think Max Domi is is probably going to be the number one trade piece for the Chicago Blackhawks outside of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Now I don't want to see Domi moved. I think he's become so somewhat of a fan favorite uh, for at least me. I like the game he plays. I think he plays with an edge um, and, you know, just he's an agitator. Uh, I like seeing Max Domi in a, in an Indian head sweater. I just do. Uh, that said, I think he's the most likely to be moved uh, at the, at the earliest out of all these guys. Um, obviously the names that are going to swirl are also going to be Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. I think what really is going to matter at the end of the day is whether or not Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane want to see this rebuild through. I think it really comes down it just my thoughts is it really comes down to what they want to do more than what the organization wants to do. And they have all be, the leverage yep. it's all in their hands. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be really interesting. I can't really predict because it it is all of it. It's a hundred percent in their court. Um, and I can't speak for either of those individuals. Now, we know that they will net the highest return pretty much out of anybody that's that's there. They're they're the premier rentals um, in the market. I think uh, I sent and shared uh, uh, Frank Saravelli or Frank Spaghetti and Meatballs, whatever you want to call him tonight. Um, he wrote up a little thing about the trade deadline coming up here, and he basically said everything this deadline runs through Chicago, and that's 
that's a huge uh, advantage for Davidson and the Blackhawks organization to know that everybody's going to be looking at the Blackhawks roster and they're really going to have a chance to set the market. So I'm, I'm assuming that most of these conversations have taken place already with uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. We'll see what happens um, in, in those aspects. However, I do think that uh, both Domi and uh, Athenaseu are going to be moved at this deadline. Uh, I think I said that right. I'm not positive. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I got close, maybe. Who cares? Close. Uh, move, close. Moving on. Uh, I think both of those guys are gone. It'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned, Jake McCabe. I could see Connor Murphy potentially being of interest to somebody. Um, and then on the on the goaltending side, I think you're going to see Alex Daylock get moved at this deadline to be somebody's backup. Uh that's a contending team. He's had such a good year in goal. Uh, obviously, if you put a better defense in front of him, uh, you might be able to get uh, a, a nice little run down the stretch out of a guy like Stalock. We'll see if any goaltenders come up with some injuries between here and the deadline, but I could see him being a name that people call on. I don't expect really anybody else um, to be moved for premier pieces, but I, I think all of those guys will net you at least uh, a Decent draft pick in next year's draft or uh, some some maybe prospect fodder to play around with some lottery ticket stuff um, throughout the rest of the roster. But I would say my eyes are on Stalock uh, and then both of your your premier forwards that are, are rental pieces right there. Yeah, I, I think coming into the deadline, I agree, Athens CU is probably a good, as good as gone at this point. Speed has a scoring touch. That's going to play really well as depth on a contending team that has the playoffs in mind. And, you know, naturally, I agree with Domi. I think Domi still gets moved. But my little hot take when it comes to Domi is don't be surprised if in the offseason he resigns in Chicago because mm-hmm. he's made it very clear that he likes it here. He's made it very clear he likes playing under Luke Richardson. And he's, according to some reports that have been floating around in, on the interwebs, he kind of is interested in staying and seeing this through. He feels like he's might've found a home after being kind of a little bit of a journeyman after not working out in, in, in Arizona, formerly Phoenix when he was there. So I, I could really see that being a possibility too. I like the stay lock uh, point, Tony. I, I really never even thought about that, but I like that because he has shown some flashes of being able to, you know, step up and, and play, you know, a big role in net for a team. Uh, especially just in one of those games where it's back and forth and you need a goalie to stand on his head sometimes. Um, but I, I really think, you know, we we could see some other names moved. I feel like we've seen it in the past where you get that one surprise name where you're like, oh, I didn't expect him to get moved, but okay, you know, um, maybe a, a Dickinson I could see being that kind of guy potentially if somebody's willing to take the cap hit or the Hawks eat half of it. Um, I think he's still got one year left too. So yeah, I think it's one year at like two. There's always something. financials to work out. Right, so yeah. maybe maybe the Hawks eat Ron's half. the accountant, he can figure it out. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he's like one four if he fifty percent for next year. And some teams like, yeah, we could play him on a third line for, you know, for a minimal cap hit. I could see something like that happening. But um, those will certainly be the ones. And then yeah, I agreed. Obviously, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are gonna be crazy. And you know what? Uh if Frank Spaghetti and Meatballs is is kind of making me excited because you guys know how much GM Ron eats this shit up. And I am ready for just the pure chaos from like right after the Super Bowl till the trade deadline, because that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be, where's Patrick Kane going? Is he going anywhere? Where's Taves going? 
is Kane going to New York to play with Panarin? Like, you know, you've heard them kicked around lately, but like, there's going to be more weight to it at that point. And so I am just, I'm ready for the chaos gentlemen, because the Blackhawks, like you said at the top of the show, Tony, they have a direction. They have a sense of where this thing's going in the future. And, and right now, you know, maybe some of these guys that do want to be around to see the rebuild through potentially, you know, Kane and Taves are those guys, but when they both look at it and go, well, we could take a little half season, the Hawks get some stuff for us and we have a shot at another cup. Maybe it's worth it. So could work in everybody's favor, truthfully, when the deadline rolls around. All right. I've got a few thoughts that all of you guys brought up some things that sparked different thoughts. I th- hey, Tony, I think you give a great summation, so I don't need to go too, too much into detail on the players that you talked about. Um, but Ron, what you were saying, it's hilarious. I think Domi wants to stay here because his family ca- finally came and visited him for Christmas since he mm-hmm. was in Columbus. I love that little jab that he threw uh, at him. And of course, he got in right- trouble for that one. Yeah, that, that, was, that was right. And of course, he tried to like, you know, like retract it like a little bit and said it wasn't like roundabout. And joking, came from the heart. I thought, it, yeah, it came from the heart and I thought it was hilarious. We can appreciate it here as Chicagoans because come on, Chicago, Columbus, not even close. But um, that. I used to be in the, and once again, I'm not in these guys' heads, but I used to be of the belief that I didn't think Kane would be moved because he wanted to do the full finish his career as a Blackhawk, just all of his messaging from when this whole rebuild started through uh, the start of the season um, was always pretty, it sounded pretty solid in terms of that. This is a place that he wanted to stay. Obviously he's got a little one um, is what is he you know, established his family here, right? Um, all of that kind of stuff. And he, he talked about how cool it would be to play uh, for uh, one franchise for his entire career. And while I still think that's a factor that could weigh in, once again, he holds all the chips here. I am more inclined to believe that he will move now after enduring how terrible um, this actually is, this process of tanking um, through it. So th- that's just my two cents on it. Um, if the uh, Nani Philometer counts for anything, um, th- that's where I'm at. I-, I always thought Taves it would be you know, out the door. He's further along in his career in terms of where he is physically. So I always thought he was going to be a guy to go chase another cup. But I also think Kane um, could be on that same path now too, just because he's probably sick of losing and he hates that feeling. So we'll see uh, what happens. My last thought on that, uh, when you were talking about how you get so amped up for this, GM Ron loves it. Um, You know how TSN does the trade center on trade deadline day. I think we need the four feathers podcast tank center on that day. Ooh. Ooh. Ron and I like, I like the thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, we let's like try that. and make let's try and make something happen. We can we can get something you're gonna, going. You're gonna need to set us up with the green screen so we can get your fancy tank backgrounds there too. Then Tony. Yeah, there we go. We can we can make that happen. I yeah, guess. one one last thought on that. Ron and I had talked about this on our uh, opening night special show. Ron, if you remember, we had said if the Blackhawks are doing a little too much winning for your liking early on in the season, just wait until after the trade deadline. It's gonna fall off because that's when the real, real heavy tanking, uh, it, it will, you know, just be more emboldened and man, we are going to be there. If some of these names that we just discussed, uh, will be on the move. So we shall see what happens. Once again, stay tuned here at four feathers podcast and on tap sportsnet.com, uh, for, um, any news updates on the trade fund front as it comes to the Blackhawks. All right. 
we're getting to the uh, kind of back end of the show here, guys. Uh, I wanted to share some final thoughts. I had a few. Um, this can be anything from your Blackhawks, uh, you know, that's just kind of been stirring around in your head. I wanted to start off with the holiday atmosphere at the UC, despite the Blackhawks losing games and all that, remains awesome. It was excellent. They decorated the atrium. Uh, they had the Tommy Hawk holiday party. They had um, It was festive all throughout December, and I loved it. It was great going to games there. Uh, that whole atmosphere was cool. They, shit, they even had fake snow in the atrium. I uh, really, really, really felt like you were uh, like at the winter classic or something, drinking a beer at the Dasher bar there. So that's my first one. Um, you guys, if you got anything, um, go ahead. Uh, we'll, you can kind of set it round table here. Cause I've got a few others as well. Yeah. I mean, my first one, obviously we just uh, had the winter classic held out at Fenway um, right before the winter classic saw something run on NBC sports. Uh, I think it was Chicago is national, but uh, picked it up from Chicago. It said that uh, the Hawks had a chance next year at hosting a winter classic at the guaranteed rate field. Um, the, the first reaction that I got, and this is kind of up for discussion with the, with both of you guys, first reaction I got from everybody was hell. No, don't want that. I just thought it would have been cool to have our four feathers group in Loppy, you know, uh, having a little tailgate, on uh, New Year's Day or the day after, whenever they hold it next year. But, uh, you know, uh, we've we've had it done at Wrigley. How electric would it be to have it at a place where you can tailgate, like guaranteed rate, a winter classic there? Obviously, they did not get this one. But now I, I need this to happen. Oh, I need no. us to be there together. I, I just I want some thoughts on how awesome so- we would have – uh, how awesome of a time we would have in lot B before a Hawks game. So you talked about that in terms of, I just want to say like, yes, we did give you the, at least I gave you the initial blowback on that. However, the list that you sent me was for next year when we're talking about 2020, you know, four winter classic, right? Well, they are, then they um, already came out and released odds right, for 2025 this is, this is, and it's Wrigley field again. Yeah. Let's not do okay. that. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm with you there, but. I want the Blackhawks to have a winter classic again, but I want it to be when they're good or at least on the rise like that, you know, oh nine one was like, come on. Um, it, I do not want to get absolutely spanked in a game like that. We've already lost too many on this stage, whether that be stadium series, uh, whether that be winter classics, like shit, the Wrigley one was cool and sure it was a competitive game and stuff, but he still lost. The only one we've really won was that uh, snowy, uh, you know, blizzard at Soldier Field in 2014 against the Penguins. Uh, That's because NWI Steve was there. Every winter classic that we've been in has been brutal. I want us to actually win one of these, and I want it to be, you know, when you're on that stage, I don't want people to say, oh, why the hell is it the Blackhawks again? I want it to be like, okay, oh, this is why the Blackhawks are on again. That's my thought. But from the experience standpoint, absolutely. You know me. I'm a Southsider. Tailgate and lot B any day of the year. Yeah, I, I want the Hawks to get a, a winter classic when Connor Bedard is in a Blackhawks sweater. Then then right. that'll be really exciting and must-watch TV. Couldn't that have um, potentially been next year, though? It could have been, but they're not going to be good enough to where it probably would have been fun. Like okay. you don't want, you don't want Connor McDavid running around like he did his rookie season with no help. Like oh, you Andy, want, you Andy want it for, when it's McDavid Drysidel and Andy, they're winning games. Andy forgot to mention that it was they were pinning us against the Avalanche for that one for that potential well, matchup. You know, yeah, come on, you yeah. want you want kill yeah, do not, do you not remember? Yeah, do you not remember opening night? What's the difference that? between that and going to a White Sox game? Mm. I mean. Truthfully, it hurts a little more for me when it's the Blackhawks. Yeah, that's true. Tony wants the Blackhawks to lose every winter classic they're in confirmed. It doesn't matter. We'll get a double confirmation from NWI Steve. 
I wanted I wanted something to look forward to in the dark dog days of winter. The dead days of winter. The dead days of winter. I wanted something to look yeah. forward to, Johnny. And you're trying to steal my sunshine when there isn't even any sunshine outside right now. It'll be for fucking, 60 days. Yeah, exactly. It's dark as hell. Yeah, it's 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 miserable. And gentlemen, a thing that I've got, it's something I shared with you guys before we jumped on the show. But what if I told you there's a Blackhawks player that's not a negative player in plus minus? Um, and I'm just going to cut to the chase. I made Johnny and Tony guess, but it is Jake McCabe. I think he's having a very surprising, nice little season. Um, if he likes it in Chicago, which uh, he has mentioned, his wife is from the area. Um he, you know, a Wisconsinite himself, so not far away from Chicago. Former Team USA captain at World Juniors. Yeah, that too. So maybe, maybe, maybe he's a guy that wants to stick it through the rebuild and is okay with that because of the, you know, kind of like you mentioned with Kane. But I think Kane, Kane and McCabe are maybe in two different places because of their, you know, their status as players in the NHL. So, you know, good on Jake McCabe. He's he's finding a way and. Maybe he finds a way to stick around through this rebuild and is, is still on the blue line when this team is starting to compete. Yeah, Ron, I think you and I have appreciated Jake McCabe since the day he signed uh, with the Blackhawks just for some of those reasons that you just mentioned there. And then you go and add on, look at some of his plays, steady play on the back end. Um, and it makes me look at Jack Johnson and say, what the hell do you even do here? Um, I know there's another veteran defenseman signing. That guy is El Brutel. I'm sorry. I really wish someone would go and take him, but I don't think he's playing well enough where he can even warrant a friggin' like seventh round draft pick at this point. I swear to God, I'm that serious about that's how bad he's been. Um, you go and look at, you know, value. There's those hockey stat card things. He is always at the bottom of the barrel with those provides very, very little value. So, um, that's just, yeah, but there's, there's always a Lula Morello out there that loves those guys and is could, okay. could still give you yeah. something for right. him. You well, know what I mean? I, I hope you're right, Ron, because at least if, if I was a general manager and watching this team and objectively not, not as a Hawks fan, I would be like looking at that guy and be like, well, why is the puck behind him all the time? Why, why is he so out of position? Isn't this guy supposed to be a veteran? I know it's not all his fault. There's some other structure uh, going on around him and the supporting cast isn't great, but my God, it's been rough. <laughs> it's been rough. I've had to use that, you know. So what would you say you do here, GIF, for him? A bunch of times this year. Feels like more than anybody else. So, um, all right. A couple more things, guys. They finally wore home whites for the first time since February 29th, 2012. Uh, that was a game right before Christmas against the Nashville Predators. I loved it. You guys know my affinity for the white sweaters. Um, I just think the Indian head logo, the feathers, everything pops so much better on the white. The reds still look great as always, but um, it is also just a little bit of nostalgia, right, from that era uh, from, like, the, you know, 1970s through uh, early, early 2000s uh, when home teams wore white, teams on the road wore their color jerseys. I thought that was a cool throwback, and in the winter theme, um, thought they did that well, um, so I, I was glad to watch them do that. Guys, I, I got a topic of discussion for you, because this came up, a little tweet from a, a photographer in Chicago who's very well known, Barry Butler, He's not a fan of Chris Foster's. He doesn't think he knows the game. He isn't, you know, he's, he's a harsh critic of him on Twitter. And he wanted John Weideman, Troy Murray in the TV booth for a game so he could get some, you know, stories of the glory days and um, said that someone who knows the game. So he didn't call out Chris Foster's by name, but indirectly, he definitely did. I want to know your guys' thoughts now as we, we have passed here for, you know, first full season with uh, um, Chris Foster's as a TV, t TV play by play man. What are your thoughts on him to this point in the season? Ron, you want the floor first? It's all you, Tony. Go ahead. It's all me. Um, you know, this is a difficult question, Johnny, because I was probably 
one of the most heartbroken when when Foley announced that he was going to be stepping away and, and we lost Eddie O. And I don't think anybody's going to compare to those guys. And I, I'm very critical of, of TV announcers for my sports teams because they are the voice that fills your living room or your basement or your garage as you watch your favorite team play. And I, I didn't want to give Vosters the benefit of the doubt, just being new and not like the Chicago guy. And I, I actually did. Like I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt on the back of a Ron loose speech that I think he gave on this show about how, you know, you got to give this guy a chance and everything. And I think he's sort of grown into the role, but I, I, I just, I think that there's, it's, it's just such a rough environment for him because look at the shoes you have to fill here. It's not and easy. What to, you're announcing. It's yes. <laughs> On top of that, look at look at the fact that this is the worst team in the National Hockey League. So I agree with Butler to an extent where you want some of that glory days stories and and just a familiar voice uh, to help you get through all of this. This was not an easy task for Chris Bolsters to step into by any stretch of the imagination. He's a younger guy. He's a different generation of broadcaster. Uh, you take all of that into account. I think his voice has started to like, grow on me. And I think that that's something that I rate with broadcasters. Number one is like, what? how does their voice sound when they're making these calls? Yeah, he doesn't have a wide range. And I don't think he's really figured out, you know, what his signature calls are yet. And I don't think he's going to until you have a competitive team that's going to allow you to make calls in or at big least a fun team moments. Yes. Or at least a fun team. This team is not fun to watch. They don't come out there earlier on in the season for like the first two, three weeks. I think that's where I kind of gave him some credit because the team was playing a more fun brand of hockey. They were winning games that they probably shouldn't have been. There were instances of, you know, seeing the, the effect that Luke Richardson had on the team. I thought he called those well. But where we're at right now, Johnny, in those dark days, nothing's going to be good. You could have Pat Foley there, and we'd probably still be like, this team is boring to watch. Um, so it's not easy when you have a new broadcaster in that situation. I think he did not have the cards on the table that it, it was going to take to make himself well-known in Chicago or be anybody's favorite broadcaster this season. I still think the jury's out. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because Ron convinced me. So I'll turn it to Ron. That was way more positive than I was expecting, Tony. I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised. Uh, but I agree with a lot of the points that you said, Tony. I think you hammered it home. It's hard when you're calling shit like it, it, anybody, right? Whether you're you're Pat Foley, whether you're Kenny Albert, whether you're any of the greats, or whether you are Chris Vosters, who is a newer guy and is starting out. It's hard right now and. You know, I, I agree with some of the the like all the nostalgia stories and stuff. And like, I feel like you can still set that up in a way if you want with a Troy Murray and a Patrick Sharp joining him in the booth. Part of me almost thinks the business operations team wants to move away from the glory days of this team, right? We they talked about changing the 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 you know the reputation of the Blackhawks and putting that big black smudge that happened you know last year behind them, and I maybe that's part of the reason that we're not hearing 
some of those glory day stories from guys like Patrick Sharp, you know, maybe that's why a Pat Foley was very accepting and willing to step away. You know what? I'm actually almost happy Pat Foley in my lifetime and memory as a Blackhawks fan didn't call shit hockey because it, it, it makes that, that sweet voice and those, those marquee calls, like you said, almost ring even more pleasantly in my head. You know, I think he has grown on me, and you can hear it in his voice, right? I think you can hear it in anybody's voice when they get comfortable doing something. Uh, it becomes more natural. It becomes more assertive. and becomes more affirmative. And you can, you can feel the less hesitancy like you, you got at times last year in his calls. There's more conviction in his voice now. I think he's going to settle in, and yeah, once this team's competing, then let's 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 break out the debate book and say, you know what? Does somebody else need to be Tony, as you said, you know, the voice of this team for the future, or or will he grow into that role because he has a competitive team in front of him? You guys know I like Chris Foster's. He was always my pick when they were doing the whole audition thing. So I've been happy with him. But again, the team's been dog shit. It's really hard to get excited about anything. Back even to Johnny's point. We can't even get excited about individual growth in players because you can't even barely see it, right? It's hard when everything is so bad that even the good things have troubles ringing through. You know, I think he's still growing into his own, and I think that that's completely natural. You look at his historic resume, hockey was probably his least called sport. So I think that's also something, too, to take into mind as he gets more comfortable doing it. I think that's going to continue to grow and grow. I'm excited to hear the first marquee call, right? Like, you get that first one where you're like, oh. Oh, he found it. Like, that's a good one. Like, that one's going to ring through and through on highlight reels down the road. Um, I'm, I'm excited for when that time comes. I think he's been doing well. Again, all things considered, we are in the tank. You see him rolling in behind Tony up there. Like, just got to embrace it, and it is what it is right now. It's it's really hard to say, yeah, you know, this, this would be so much better with Pat and Eddie in the booth, because would it be? You know, I don't, they're really bad. <laughs> Ron, I, I just want to say something real quick here is like, would Pat Foley have survived this season? And I don't know if the answer to that question is yes. He'd be but going I, full Harry Carey mode in the booth like he did that one time when he did the impression, you know. He'd be, yeah. he'd be heartbroken. Like I, He'd be heartbroken by the, the dead days of winter already. I think there was a lot of reasons for his exit. But watching this team play. I just don't know if if Pat Foley would have survived this season, and it could have been the, the exit could have been worse. I think you know, Ron, you you just sparked something there for me. I just he he would have, man, it would have been ugly, and I don't think that that's what anybody would have wanted their last memory to be. Well said, boys. Uh, I don't have too, too much to add. Chris Foster's dealt a tough hand just with what's in front of him, what he has to call. That's uh, a tough product uh, to go and describe. But I will commend him for bringing a level of excitement, a level of energy to it regardless. You know, uh, he, he still does it, um, and, and he does try to, you know, root out some positives from the game, um, even if it is uh, looking like a dire situation. I think uh, his supporting cast uh, deserves some credit, too. Uh, Sharpie, when he's on, Colby Cohen has made some observations that um, maybe you didn't see, right, the first time around. And then they go and they run it back. So the production crew there as well. And then in the studio, Pat Boyle, my therapist, love that guy. Uh, and Kaylee Chelios and Charlie Emiliotis. I think they do a good job uh, there in terms of pointing out some Don't stuff. Scott Darling. Scott Darling. You got to call out Scott There could be a little bit of goofiness, especially when it comes to Scott Darling. But that's, you know, that, that, that does give it some entertainment value. Makes it makes you maybe laugh a little bit when uh, you're just 
feeling kind of down in the dumps about the dog shit hockey game that you just watched. So um, it's a tough situation for Chris Foster's. I go back to one of Tony's points, though. We're still waiting for a signature call. Don't know if that's going to come for a while, but we shall see. That's one thing that I think we'll be monitoring pretty closely here uh, at the Four Feathers podcast. But once again, I think it's still a little bit down the road. Once again, nothing you can do about it, though. He's not the GM. He did, he didn't he's not Kyle Davidson so he didn't put this product on the ice he just has to narrate what they do so all right uh, that's what I wanted on there um, building off of that point Blackhawks aren't on national TV till mid February thank God um, my advice to someone like Barry Butler if you are that upset about things like Chris Foster's my advice whenever the Blackhawks have been on national TV this year what I do is I sync up the feed with my WGN radio app. And I listen to Troy and John, or sometimes uh, uh, John and Kaylee, depending on the team that's working that night. And I listen to that feed. It's basically a home feed. And then you just mute your TV uh, and, you know, you just rewind it to wherever it needs to be to sync up with the feeds. And that has been an excellent experience. If you can get it synced up perfectly, just wait till you hear a big, like, you know, like a slap shot or something like, or if a guy gets run into the boards, when you hear that, you know, um, kind of rustling there, that's how you know where to sync it up. Um, and it, it's been a great experience and you know what? I might do it every once in a while. Not that I have, I despise Chris Foster's or anything, but I might do it, just do it. Cause I really love John Weideman. So that'd be my advice to someone like uh, Barry Butler there. That's kind of my last thought here. Um, boys are running out of time. It hit me with last few final thoughts and then we'll get out of here. Just brace yourselves, Blackhawks fans. We're, we're in the, the second half stretch here. Um, we hate to say it, but it feels like more and more we're rooting for ping pong balls. Um, but on a positive note, because we don't know what the future holds, it's still worth tuning into Blackhawks hockey, if nothing else, to watch 88-19. Um, and I'm going to remind myself that here in, in 2023 as well, when I'm like, ah, they're on tonight. I might not tune in. No, no, no. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to sit down. And if nothing else, I'm going to appreciate the greatness that is 18 or 88 and 19, because it, it's going to be painfully weird. If those guys are in different jerseys come March. Scary hours, uh, that Ron just brought me into, um, yeah, in the dead I, days of winter. <laughs> in the dead days of winter, scary hours. Ron's hard for Bedard. We're all here. We're tanking. It's uh it's just, it's it's just I just want this season to be over. If I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys, final thoughts here. I'm ready for this to be over and fast forward to the draft. Um that said, this could be the last few games you get to watch of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves as Ron just let everybody know. Um, I'm going to try and take in every single moment of it that I can. Uh, we've said it on the show probably a hundred thousand times. Those are both generational talents. They are guys that brought multiple cups to the city of Chicago, and they are a big major reason uh, that this team was as relevant as they were uh, throughout the last decade. It's crazy. I just, you know, you, you brought up 2023. It's been 10 years now since the uh, 2013 cup. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, as Ron brought up here just a minute ago, uh, if they do bring up any of the 13 cup run uh, there, now that we are in the uh, 10th anniversary of that, uh, you know, they have seemed to get away from some of the glory day stuff, but uh I guess shout out to that 2013 team, uh, 17 seconds 
Uh, I know uh, Dave Bollard. Point streak. Dave Bollard is out there giving uh, scoliosis exams, 17 scoliosis <laughs> exams uh, somewhere. So uh, shout out Dave Bollard, uh, medical doctor. Oh, guys, I love it. I love it. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, good show, boys. Good to be back with you. Um, I am, you know, uh, looking forward to the trade deadline with GM Ron and Tank Center. So be sure to tune into Four Feathers podcast here uh, for that. Other than that, um, I'm looking forward to getting back out to the United Center. Uh, it'll be a Saturday night game against the Seattle Kraken. It'll be my first time seeing them uh, in person. Uh, and, you know, it's rare. The Hawks rarely get the United Center on a Saturday night. So very nice of Jerry Reinsworth to fork it over um, for that. I'm assuming the Bulls are on a road trip or something because it's kind of unheard of when the Hawks get one on Saturday night. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for all you Four Feathers listeners. Thank you for tuning in, ringing in the new year with us. Happy New Year and happy holidays to you all. We appreciate you guys. As always, uh, go ahead and subscribe on YouTube, on Tap Sportsnet, and then drop in the comments here. We love having some interaction with you during these live shows. You can find us at ontapsportsnet.com and on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at on tap sports net gentlemen we're approaching the hour mark on the dot it's an excellent show great to be with you guys until next time let's go hawks let's go hawks let's go hawks baby <laughs>